Turn Up, Turn Down is presented by Multiplatinum.com. Multiplatinum.com is a website dedicated to educating producers, engineers, and musicians with the best music production tools, techniques, and strategies to create a successful career in music. Multiplatinum.com has hundreds of hours of tutorials ranging from Pro Tools and Logic Basics to deep dives into advanced pop production techniques and more. One video series that has helped me recently is the Logic for Pro Tools Users course, which helps longtime Pro Tools users like me transfer our skills over to Logic. Please check out Multiplatinum.com today for these courses and more, and begin to take your skills to the next level. And now, turn up, turn down. Welcome to the Turn Up, Turn Down podcast. I'm Eric Torres. With me, as always, John Potts. What's up? Today, we're talking about gain staging. So excited. So excited. <laughs> it's one of the most important things about recording and making music so let's go so when you think about gain staging you just think like, man, I can't wait to gain stage this. But <laughs> stage these games. Yeah. But it, it you know, when somebody actually explains to you what the importance of gain staging is, like the first when you're really learning about the process of recording, it is a lot more interesting than it sounds, right? Right. Well, cuz it um it affects tone, it affects all that kind of stuff. How hard you're hitting something, you know, you can just it's it's with saturation and all that too, it's a it's a form of compression. How right. hard you're hitting it and uh, a preamp or whatever it is. It's one of those terms that the first time I heard it, I'd been recording for a couple of years. You know, yeah. you know, on my own, I was still in school, and somebody's talking about games, and I was like, "What in the world are you talking about?" And then you explain it to, them, like, "Oh, it's what I kind of know about." And then you just get the tips, right. levels, to, yeah, getting exactly. levels, yeah, making yeah. sure stuff doesn't go, <laughs> you know, when you're recording. <laughs> yeah, great. Getting right into it, the first stage of gain is your sound source. How loud that vocalist, that drum, um, guitar, any instrument, yep. and how close your microphone is to that and how loud the sound source is. So that's the first thing you got to think about because obviously microphones can overload. Mm -hmm. You can overload it. Um, you can break it. You can break it if it's something's too loud, ribbon mics and sensitive sensitive uh, condensers. Um, obviously, mics have pads as well, and some mics, the output is a lot louder than other mics, but every mic has a threshold of how loud the sound source can be. Right. And you will hear, I mean, it sounds like the capsule just kind of swallows itself right. if, you, if you overload, the, you know, a capsule. Well, and it's it's important to think about it from not just like what like let's say a guitar amp like where on this amp does my microphone sound good from like a left to right you know like where on the speaker does it sound yeah. good you can think about it as how close or how far away because the SPL handling of that microphone is going to make a difference mm -hmm. and if you're too close and you're overloading it because your amp is too loud well maybe turning your amp doesn't work because the tone for that amp is working for you. Yeah. You know, and so keeping all that stuff in the front of your mind 
you know, if I use this kind of mic, it won't be able to handle the pressure and I want a close mic sound or whatever. Mm -hmm. That's, it's very important. Yeah. Because those things are important, uh, kind of production decisions too. Like if you really do need that vocalist right up on the microphone, cause they're getting all those sounds, you know, they're making with their mouth and all right. that, that, you know, you need to do that and, you know, structure your gain staging accordingly. Yeah. The other thing would be, um, I mean, we'll get into this just as a second, I guess. So the next one is how sensitive the microphone is. Yeah. And if, um, you know, I've had situations where it's the opposite, not that it can't handle the sound source, but it's so sensitive or I'm sorry, so not sensitive that the sound source is too quiet for it, a vocalist that just doesn't project or something like that. Yeah. And so when you get to the preamp and compression and EQ and all that afterwards, you're adding so much gain to it that the noise level yeah. is, is too much. And it sounds like... And that's time to switch microphones. <laughs> yeah. It's like, nope, ain't gonna work. <laughs> or, or punch them in the gut. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you project sing, a little bit. Sing louder. <laughs> Um, so that, that is your first stage, right? The microphone and the sound source. So following signal flow is next thing is a preamp, all different kinds of preamps. Some are, are just, uh, a gain. Some have an attenuation. Um, you have high pass filters and pads and all that kind of stuff. The main thing for me you want to, before you do any other outboard processing, if you're doing any at all, is just get a good, healthy, not overly loud signal to your DAW. Right. I'm, I'm probably going to say Pro Tools because that's what I use. So I'm, I'm just going to say getting a good uh, signal to Pro Tools. You have your meters. You just, you don't need to get as close to clipping as possible without clipping. Those days are gone. You that's, don't have to worry about noise right floor. Yeah. Just get something clean to tape. Yeah. Those days are gone is really. The <laughs> <laughs> I mean. Wh- the exact opposite to tape when you did have to worry about it. Go ahead. Yeah. When we, well, and not just tape, when we started recording and Pro Tools was in its infancy and digital recording was in its infancy, yeah. there was, noise floor was still a, a little bit of an issue. Totally. And, I, and I think that maybe it wasn't as big as people made it out, but the people that taught me how to record at school learned on tape and so their mindset was get that level as healthy as it can be Mm -hmm. and it's because when you overload tape it can have a pleasing sound yes it can saturate in a way that's you know compressing and rounding off you know harsh frequencies in in a pleasant way not not and the noise to signal ratio is the the other main main factor right like those yeah yeah yeah. you don't have to if you don't have to turn it up and hear all the hiss and, Mm -hmm. and all that Yep. But when you clip digitally, it's not, it's not, a, it's not, it's a not pleasing that's not a pleasing sound. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, for years I spent my time trying to get it like as close as I could, but leave myself some room, you know, in case it clipped or whatever, but that some room would be like three dB or whatever. And that's right. just not enough. Yep. Y- you can, you can record a signal pretty, pretty low on that meter nowadays, you know? Yeah. I would say like levels are usually kind of around that negative 10. Yeah, that's really the sweet spot. Which is basically, it, that might be like 55% up the meter. Right. That's where it kind of is sitting. You peek out around, where was that? Like negative six. There you go. Somewhere around there. I, that's kind of the sweet spot mm-hmm. for me. Because then you have plenty of room on the backside doing everything. You don't have to put a bunch of processing um, 
just to gain it down or clip gain or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So many times I get stuff to mix and the drums are just, it looks like they're all have just a hard brick wall limiter on them. I got to turn them all down for any of my processing in the box to work. Yep. Like those plugins aren't meant to take something that's already, already just completely slammed like that. Right. Vocals, anything like that. I always just have to gain them down. So let's just, that's the first part of gain staging. Preamp, a good amount of signal, two tape, two Pro Tools. Um, And then you talk about preamps that have, you have your gain and maybe an output knob or an attenuation knob. A lot of preamps uh, these days don't have, uh, what are those called? Meters. (laughs) So... That's uh, you know, oh, it's yeah, kind of fighting against you. Especially a lot of the 500 series stuff. You yeah. know, it's just a just a knob. Yeah, a 1073 doesn't have a meter. Yep. So, those sound awesome when you crunch them. But sure. That's neither here nor there. Yeah, I mean, it's use your ears is the is the key, right? Mm-hmm. You, you some sound sources do benefit from some analog clipping. Yeah. It, it and it needs, but it everything like that needs to be intentional. Yeah. You, you don't want to accidentally clip because that doesn't sound good. People can tell when it's an accident. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, that only clipped that one time in that whole song. Yep. You know, so I well, and and drive drive your pre, crank back the attenuator, and get that same sweet spot to Pro Tools. Yep. To your DAW. Yep. You always want to be there, regardless if the signal's hot or distorted or whatever it is. You want your signal in Pro Tools to always kind of be in that sweet spot, right, right. in the middle, peeking out when it needs to, and it, there's room to go up or down. And then also, like John mentioned, the other way around. Clipping Pro Tools, even though your pre isn't, the meters aren't reading that you're clipping your your uh, your preamp. Yeah, it, you know, people refer to that as headroom, basically. How, yeah. how much um, gain your, whatever your device is, can take before it starts clipping. And sometimes Pro Tools has less headroom than your pre, and sometimes it's your pre has less headroom than Pro Tools. That's right. I like to... If I, I usually track with obviously a pre and at least one compressor and an EQ on my sound source. It's, I'm, I'm in my head, I'm just thinking about vocals. That's what I'm kind of referring to the most because whatever. Sure. So, so a lot of times I'll do pre, a fast compressor, an EQ, a slow compressor. Okay. Just to get it, whatever. So, whatever outboard I'm doing, I make sure everything's bypassed. Get your pre. Set your level good to tape, good you know, good to Pro Tools. Sorry, I keep saying tape. It's just that's the I way I talk. It. That's I the word it. I use. You sound very cool when you say it. Oh, thanks. <laughs> I'm so analog. <laughs> you know, then put in your compressor. Get all your levels. Make sure it's still good to Pro Tools. Put in your next component. Do it, and just always check back. But don't just have your settings yeah. and have everything in at the same time. You're fighting yourself, and you don't know which one is gained up too high or whatever. So just Slow right. down, do one at a time, and make it all right. I mean, the important thing to think about there is that everything in your signal chain is going to add or reduce gain. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So your compressor will have an output or makeup gain mm-hmm. knob. Your EQ may or may not have an output, but if you're boosting a frequency, you're increasing the gain. Totally. Yeah. You know, or APIs. APIs, like, I don't know why. Yeah. It just really changes your output signal. If you add two dB of something, as opposed to a 1073 or right. whatever you have, it doesn't. The APIs just really add a lot of 
you know, signal. The other, um, you know, I guess the flip side of that too is if you are not using an EQ to boost, but you're cutting frequencies, you're reducing the gain. And so mm-hmm. if you, you need to make sure your level is, is right. still strong enough, you know, in, in, Pro, in Pro Tools or Logic or whatever you're using, it's all, it's all the same concept. Right. So um, yeah, if you're going from a pre and then you're cutting a bunch of low end in your right. EQ, you put your EQ in, your level will drop considerably. So you can come back to your pre if, if that's your setting. Yep. Come back to your pre and knock it up one one notch or whatever. Yep. Get that get that level right. Compressor. Mm-hmm. It's gonna obviously attenuate some sound when it is compressing. You want to use the makeup gain to get it back up to where it needs to be. Like you said, EQ make up for it. Come back wherever your last gains, wherever your the last stage of gain was before that. Come back to it and bring it back up to where your level is where you want it. Right. And then you hit Pro Tools, and you add a whole bunch more game <laughs> game staging <laughs> uh, with plugins. They work yeah. just the same way that a, you know an analog processor would. They they add gain, they remove gain. It's just a it's a really important thing to think about all the way through the process because it's it's one thing to get um, healthy levels to Pro Tools, right? And then you add a bunch of plugins, and then all your meters are slammed, and you've got no dynamic level. Mm-hmm. To anything, and, yeah, and you know your master fader is slammed, and you send that off to mastering, and they're like, "Well, it's I can't do anything. I don't mm-hmm. have any room to work." Or like you were saying before, you don't have any play. All, yeah. all your faders are turned way down, or if the level's way too low, all your faders are slammed. You're run, you know, you're putting in plugins just to get your gain right. That's that's not what I think plugins should be be used no. for. You're just adding another instance of something just to make. Just to make up for something that wasn't recorded right. Yeah. Record it right, hopefully. This is the most scientific thing I'm going to say, probably on this podcast. But I've heard that the Pro Tools algorithm, it sounds the best when the faders are at zero. And I've heard the same thing. The reasoning that I was told behind that is that basically there's no digital math happening to the signal if the fader isn't moving but that there's some more processing that has to happen if it's not at zero to calculate what needs to be there i don't know if that's true or not i don't i really don't uh because i'm not smart enough or or have good enough ears to test it but i will say that it's annoying when you have to crank your fader all the way down because your signal's too hot and you don't have you know you you move it up a centimeter and it's you know twice as loud because it's you don't have any play in it you know, you, and then you got to start, like you said, putting gain, clip gain, clip gain plugins, and right. it's just a lot more work mm-hmm. after the fact to get it to where it needs to be. If you if you get it right at every stage and think about it, then you save yourself a ton of time at the end of the process. And if you're sending your work off to yeah. be mixed or something like that, your mix engineer will really appreciate it. Yep. AKA this guy. <laughs> right. <laughs> I hear distortion. I, or you know, and and the acoustic is recorded way too quiet, and the bass is recorded way too loud. Yeah. The kick is perfect. The snare is way too loud. The overheads are clipping. You know, just all that stuff. Um, if nothing else, get a microphone, and just if anything else, record too quiet because then you're not going to clip anything. Right. Just err on the side of caution. But um, you know, just preamp, turn it up to where it's right there in the middle. Everybody will be happy. I think that segues nicely into our next topic. It's almost like we planned that. 
whoa, <laughs> um, of processing two Pro Tools on the front end or not, yeah, with and like, how to do it with or without processing. Yeah, with analog hardware. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so in general, yes is the answer to that for me, and I know for you as well. What I'm curious about, why I wanted to talk about this, because everything good on this podcast is my idea, um, <laughs> is um, he's right. What what do you and and how do you proca- uh, process each individual thing? Because there are a couple things for me. I'm just too scared to do it. Yeah, I don't process my overheads. Like for instance, with compression, yeah, because there's nothing worse than having a symbol that's too like, you know, and you can't fix it. Yeah, yeah, I just don't, I don't trust myself usually because I'm the one playing drums for a lot of these things on my own. That to be a consistent enough person, right, to like get the sound right. Um, and I've recorded with overhead compression before, where I just crunched them and they just distorted and it was bad. Cause you, you know how it is. You tell the drummer, all right, hit the hardest part of the song and they play it <laughs> at least half as loud as they're going to play yeah. it when you start tracking. And, but you've got, you know, everything else going on at the same time while they're tracking and you can't hear mm-hmm. individual things clipping here and there. Yeah. Or that part that it clipped, you were, you soloed up the acoustic or you soloed up the guitars. Right. And you didn't, you, you know, you really didn't even hear it. And then it's already happened. Th- th- there's really two things for me. There's o- overheads and I don't like, um, I'll EQ a bass, but I get really goofy about compression going mm-hmm. into tape because I feel like it's such a, uh, important instrument to remain solid. And if you compress it too much, it just loses all its life. And if you don't compress, you know, it's just, there's a lot of things that can go wrong with that. Dynamic bass player. Yes. I just get scared about that. I don't do it. The first part of that is I, if the gear is there, I will process every single instrument that goes down. Every single microphone that's there, I will do some sort of EQ or compression to it. Sure. I, um. And I guess the philosophy behind that and why I process everything for me too is it's just easier to get the sound you want when you hear it. Yeah. And instead of trying to find it later. Yeah. And, and you're as a, if you're just, if you're producing and engineering or if you're just engineering, you're part of the band that day, you yeah. know, you're creating the vibe of what, uh, what people are hearing. So if I'm going to do a super compressed thing and add some punch and some snap or some distortion, that's going to make the players are, uh, playing off that. Right. You know, the drummer's going to hit differently if, if you're mm-hmm. distorting some of the kit um, I, I do, especially guitarists. Um, I used to like sl- have a distressor and just slam guitars, yeah. uh, tracking. And I, luckily I had a, um, a player, a real, a player I respect tell me like, please back that off a little bit. Like it's just really messing with the way I'm playing, mm-hmm. which is great. But also, you know, it's great that he told me, yeah. um, cause now I make sure I kind of get it where it's set. I back, I, I usually back off now these days. Sure. This was probably six, eight years ago. And then ask them, like, is that, is that, the, you know, is that feeling good? Like, is that affecting your playing at all? You know, because you, you, you want to inspire. You don't want to take away Absolutely. from by, yeah. Can you, play you don't want to distract what I'm doing? Yeah. Right. Um, with overheads, depends on, if it's the right compressor, I'll use it. Like mm-hmm. if there's a, like a 33609, mm. I'll, I, that just always seems to work on over. I won't use like an LA-2A or something like that. That's just too... No. Just not ever use anything that's too grabby. Um, EQ, 
almost always, you know, yeah, I, I it's kind of nice if yeah. you don't have, like, if you just pull something over, like, that sounds great, mm-hmm. then maybe I'll just put in a little high pass filter then, you know, or what, you know, try not to mess with it. If you just get some magic with placement and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, you got to keep that, that sort of, the pitfall I'll fall into with EQ is like, I'll throw a mic up and go, all right, I don't like where that sounds. And then the first thing I do is grab the EQ right. instead of moving the mic. Yeah. yeah, so so many times you're just under pressure for mm-hmm. time. You know, you're already an hour and a half behind because the band loaded in late. And right. Like, I still have to get six songs. I can spend 30 seconds here carving that frequency out or three minutes to go do it. Mm-hmm. And when everybody's watching you, sometimes you just have to do that. But obviously placement is great. Um, replacement is key. It's sort of, you kind of get to the experience level where you hear a sound and, and you think, that's wrong. And then on some level you go, but I can fix it. Yeah. You know, there's, yeah. there's like, you, you know, when it's too wrong to fix. Mm-hmm. Also, I will say sometimes I will, especially with compression or distortion, something like that. I will have, I will have it there and bypass it until it, the song calls for it. Right. Kind of have, if you have the time, it's nice to have sort of different sounds that you can use when you need to. Um, whether that's like an, a distorted bass that you're that you're processing, or you know, like a a parallel compression on the drums, or some that kind of thing. Sure. To where if they're doing a ballad, you don't need it. But then the next song is a rock song, and you don't have to do a whole new setup. You just bypass bring a compressor, in. bring it in, and yeah. and do that. How yeah. about um, degree of processing? So I know for me, when I'm tracking the tape, my mindset is like mild compression, gentle EQ, you know, mm-hmm. I, I, unless there's a really offensive frequency that I hear somewhere, I'm not usually boosting more than two or four dB at the most, you know, or cutting of any frequency in compression. I try to, unless it's <clears throat> like with a distressor, I know that compressor so well. Yeah. And it sounds really good when you hit it hard. Yep. Um, you know, that one I'll be a little bit deeper, but for most compression, it's like, I'm compressing to try to control the input signal mm-hmm. more than I'm trying to, well, I mean, I'm shaping the sound just in general, but right. the compression and stuff I'll do mixing is more of a tonal thing at that point than mm-hmm. a control. Yeah, I, I think I agree on that. And also I think it has to do with the sound source. So some singers, if they're new and they, um, I'm just working with them for the first time or, or just right. a couple times, I don't know how dynamic they are or how dynamic they can be. So I, you know, I'll make sure I have a little extra headroom. I don't compress the crap out of it. But just this morning, I had this guy in here who I've probably done 15, 20 vocals with. And he's right up in the mic and he's got a nice smooth voice. And I mean, I was hitting like 10 on the distressor meter consistently. Just, it was just kind of living there. Yeah. It sounded awesome. Yeah. So it all depends. If you read the distressor manual, it's like, don't be afraid to hit negative 18. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, the nuke is awesome. great. Yeah. Or an 11.76, like, it yeah. can just sit there. It yeah. can sit there at, you know, it's probably like negative 20, even though it's only reading negative 8 yeah, or whatever. Yeah, you, you could just hear when when you turn the input knob up and, and you're watching the needle, you're like, no, nah, it's, not, it's not corresponding. No. But you can hear it when it's like, okay, that's the snap I was looking for with yep. the 11.76. Yeah, vocal you, you or drums like, or anything. Right. Yeah, and bass two, like if there's an LA two A, LA two A scare me, but um, you know, just kind of. I like LA two A. It's more like a on... tone shaping thing for me at that point. Right. It's like just to add some 
sometimes if there's a pull tech there or something, I'll just put it on there and just for the heck of it, barely turn up a hundred Hertz just to yeah. run through it. Right. And an LA two A use it as another stage of, of gain and not even do any compression with it. Just the, the vibe of that. Just the unit. tone of it yeah. is amazing. I whatever, like whatever there's whatever. I like LA two A is better for guitars and vocals than I do for bass for mm-hmm. some reason. I know a lot of people like it for bass. It's just yeah, I don't find it is that I get as good of a sound out of it. Well, usually it's not. Um, it's weird because they think of it like it's a slower instrument and it's a slower compressor, but once it's in, it's in. So like right. you might miss a whole note if if it happens to grab or something. That's why it, that's why it scares me. It just takes forever to get off the note. Yeah, you might be three notes down by the time <laughs> it's coming back up. You know, from where right. it just happened to hit on a snap or a slap or something. But whatever. Um, yeah, I, I am always trying to impart some cool sound as an engineer more than I'm trying to stay out of the way Sure. on the tracking side. I yeah. just, well, they're hiring I think that came because, from mixing more yeah. too. Like the more I mixed, the more comfortable I got with, look, this is what I'm going to do. Or, or, you know, I just, and sometimes that's why you get the gig is because you're, you're bringing more than just good, clean sounds. Yeah. You're being a little more creative and. Uh, I think that's that's fun too. Try not to get yourself in too big of a mess. <laughs> yeah, the the one <laughs> and go that, crazy with everything. The one that uh, it was sort of a fashion, I guess, for a while, and some people are so down with it. But they uh, they have two distressors on some room mics, and they nuke them and just like just slam them down. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, that sounds good, you know, or whatever for the yeah. drums. But I don't need that for every song. And mm-hmm. you just you, it was getting to where like I'd show up for you know, a session at a studio and the engineer would just like by default set the, set the, set the rooms of that. And it's like, you don't even know what songs we're doing. Right. Like, yeah, I, we're and doing so, a Nora Jones thing today. Yeah. I, I, I don't like to, I mean, you can always do that after the fact. Yep. You know, I mean, they compress them to where they sound good and sound right. like room mics. Get some attitude out of them. Yeah. Know? But they don't need to be so slammed that, that you just have no other thing to do than like, we're doing when the levee breaks, right? <laughs> you know, it's like this. <laughs> always, yeah. all the time. Well, I think that wraps it up, man. Gain staging. It's, it's as simple as it is. It also isn't, but it's the most impo- important part of recording. It's just like a lot of other parts of the process. It's so simple. You forget about it. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And you get in a hurry, you just like, you just turn it up too high. Yeah. You just start turning knobs and you need to get them and the singer's already singing and you're like, all right, let's go. Yeah. But slow down, think about it, get it right. That extra five minutes you're going to take setting up is going to save you so much time. Yeah. Or somebody else if they, somebody else works on it. That's right. And build a good reputation for you as sending good sound. Yeah. Someone's going to be excited about working with you. It's good. So thank you so much for tuning in this week. Please check out our Instagram. Facebook, all that stuff. Give us a thumbs up, a rating, all that gravy stuff. Keep it going. All right. Till next time.